Welcome into Valuing Vulnerability, the podcast where tough conversations are not only encouraged, but required. We're going to dig into some of those uncomfortable things to talk about as we approach the topic of mental health. And I just want to take a few minutes to really just recognize and send all the thoughts and prayers and hugs and love to everyone who A, is struggling with mental health and B, who may have lost a loved one due to mental health. I know there's been a lot in the news lately, especially with athletes. And that is a big focus of mine is the mental health of athletes. And I try to advocate for that. And it's something that we'll even touch on today a little bit with our uh, guest that's coming on the show, but just sending lots of love, lots of thoughts, lots of prayers. And if you are someone struggling, just know that you're not alone and know that it is more important to speak up and talk to someone rather than taking your own life. It's never never should come to that point so please even if i'm that person reach out there's plenty of ways to contact me you can check out my social media just search for kelsey bigelow it should pop up k bigelow 72 on a lot of things including twitter so please message me if you need to talk message anyone just talk to someone because your life is more important than anything but with that being said we're gonna hop into a conversation with world-class keynote speaker on mental health mike vini and He's been promoting emotional wellness for a good long while for everyone from those working in the office to college students to everyone in between. And he's also an author of the book, Transforming Stigma, How to Become a Mental Wellness Superhero. And he himself actually has a pretty incredible story as he went through a fight with depression. And obviously that's still a battle, something he faces every single day. So we'll hear from him on that, but it's going to be a powerful conversation. So Hold on tight, buckle up, Mike Vini. All right, so Mike, thanks again for joining today. You're a mental health speaker, author, writer, drummer, in fact, but I just want, this podcast is called Valuing Vulnerability, and I know that you've gone through some things on uh, with your mental health previously, so if you don't mind me asking just kind of a background of how you got to where you are today. Oh, wow. Well, hello, Kelsey, and hello to your listeners out there. I am a mental health speaker. I do that full time. I run my mouth about my issues. <laughs> and um, I've been battling mental health challenges since I was a kid. You know, when we talk about mental health, we're talking about three things generally, thoughts, feelings, and behavior. If any one of those is having a challenge, we call it a mental health challenge. And for me, it started with behavior. I just struggled as a kid to behave myself. Um, I thought I was bad. And I ended up getting expelled from three schools as a kid, starting in fourth grade, uh, hospitalized in a mental hospital three times. Um, I attempted to die by suicide at age 10 and lots of self-harm and, and just on so much medication. That was my youth. And the thing that turned my life around was drumming. Um, drumming grounded me. I loved holding drumsticks. Greatest feeling in the world. And even though drumming became my career and... I did well with it and it stabilized me. I still struggled with mental health. And oftentimes as an adult, sometimes it pops out in weird ways. Sometimes I'm happy to get work done or don't get it done or relationships and stuff like that. So what I learned is that I battle depression, major depressive disorder, anxiety, and obsessive compulsive disorder. And while they can be paralyzing at times and make it very difficult to function, I'm also a high achiever at the same time too. So it's great to have this talk with you today. Yeah, and I appreciate you taking some time to share your story and then kind of share a little bit about what you do 
And with that being said, I know that mental health challenges are one of those things that's really hard to talk about. Uh, so as someone who has struggled with it, how did you kind of find yourself going from struggling with it and it's so difficult to do to now being a, one of the top speakers in it? That's a great question. <laughs> um, I was forced into this. I was forced into it. So I, uh, I will say this to your listeners out there. Please do not hold this against me. <laughs> I don't like motivational speakers. Like, I, I mean, I appreciate what the work they do, but it's <laughs> not my thing. Like, I think they're kind of cheesy and fake. Uh-huh. And I know that's what I am by trade. But basically in 2011, I was having a breakdown. And I reached out to someone I knew who worked in mental health for help because I was suicidal and I had known her for years, but just kind of informally, I said, Hey, Cheryl, this is Mike. And she goes, Mike Beanie, what's up? How are you? You know, when are we hanging out? And I'm like, no, it's not that kind of conversation. It's not that kind of conversation. And I tried to explain that I was struggling, but it felt like she just wasn't listening and I was getting angry. And at the end of the conversation, she asked me, can I hire you to be a a speaker at my mental health event? And I'm like, no. (laughs) That's not what this is about. Right. And I actually said something like, I don't want to talk to those people. (laughs) And the next day she did what I call adult bullying. And that's when you email somebody and CC a bunch of other people. And she basically (laughs) asked me, can you be the speaker at my event? And I said, yes, reluctantly. And I figured, you know what, let me just do this. Just get it over with. I did it. I ended up crying on stage. I was reading a piece of paper, nothing like the stuff I do now. Mm -hmm. And people kept coming up to me after saying, can I hire you to come to my organization. I'm like, what the heck is going on? This is weird. So I had this talk with myself. You know, Kelsey, I'm glad we're talking about this because in life, people often talk about passion. And I'm actually a big believer in that passion is not really what people think it is. People think passion, mm-hmm. but they're really thinking pleasure. I want right. a job that's pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Most work is not pleasurable. I don't care what you do. But typically when people chase their gifts first, the byproduct is passion and people don't understand it. They go the other way around. I just want to find something I'm passionate about, but I'm like, no, chase your gifts. So I realized for me one day that my gifts, I did a list of my gifts. One was drumming. It's making me money. Mm -hmm. Another gift. Well, mommy always told me I was a good speaker. So I'll call that a gift. And oh no, maybe my mental health is a gift. Let me put all three together. That's the birth of my career. Mm Mm-hmm. That is powerful. And it's something that I think a lot of people take for granted. I know all of us have our different challenges and sometimes we look at them as just a negative thing, but really for me personally, I've struggled with mental health as well with an eating disorder, but now I find myself referring back to my eating disorder all the time. I mean, for instance, I'm doing this podcast, connecting with people and just kind of sharing my story. But I think a lot of times we look at it as a negative thing when really maybe that's our, like you said, our gift. It is. No, and I love that you're doing this. And um, it's got to feel great to do this, right? Mm-hmm. It does. And you know what's cool about a podcast? Because I'm the co-host of a podcast, too. It's like you never know who's listening. And right. when you listen to a podcast, so those of you that are listening right now, we know that you're listening to us. But basically, <laughs> it's like the listener gets to have this conversation or listen in on a conversation and be anonymous. And that's the cool thing. So I love the work you're doing. I think it's great. Oh, I appreciate that. And just kind of going back to what you said earlier, you said you called your friend and it kind of felt like she wasn't listening to you. And I think a lot of people probably feel that way when they're struggling with mental health. 
how do you combat that and realize that, hey, there are people out there that are listening or just, I mean, fight that feeling of, I don't know what you want to call it, maybe being rejected in a way? I think it's important when you're communicating with someone, and I'm speaking now as a professional communicator. This is what I get paid to do now. <laughs> and, and you're a professional communicator too, because you know, you're doing this podcast. When you communicate with someone, you can't communicate and plan the response you want to get out of the person. Mm-hmm. That's technically manipulation, actually. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, <laughs> we've all done this. It's like, you know, well, I don't want to say it this way because I don't want them to blink. Secondly, <laughs> manipulation. You know, so the only thing you can really do is communicate and just say the message and hope it gets received. And so it's important to remember that when you're reaching out for help, you don't know how someone's going to respond. You can't pre-plan it in your head. Um, you can't pre-plan your reaction and allow that person the space to respond however they want to. Um, that's a very important lesson that I had to learn. Some people are going to respond very well and say, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't realize you were struggling. It's often help you. Mm-hmm. Other people are going to be like, mental health is BS. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you can't, you can't choose it. So it's important to get to a point where you start to feel comfortable with yourself, where it doesn't matter how someone else responds. Yeah. And that's a lot easier said than done though. Sometimes, I mean, we want that perfect response and then they don't give it and we're like, well, now what? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Especially with people we love. I know it's. <laughs> <laughs> and I also was watching one of your videos and you talked about something that I found really interesting, but also very important for people to recognize is there's no such thing as a quick fix when it comes to mental health. I mean, you can't just, it's very, we have to engage ourselves and learn more about ourselves and face those feelings rather than just say, Hey, I'm going to, you know, talk to a therapist once and it's going to be better. Right. I, uh, one of the vehicles I have is a smart car, a little tiny little car. It looks like a mm-hmm. little death trap. And, um, I don't know, this thing, Kelsey was making some noise a few weeks ago, <laughs> like, like it's going to blow up or something. And even my little, my little dog was like looking concerned as he's riding it with me. And I go to the mechanic, you know, and the mechanic is like, I'm not sure what's wrong with it. You know, we've spent an hour and I'm, I'm angry, you know, mm-hmm. I got to go to another mechanic now. And we kind of treat mental health like that. Yeah. Just, just fix it already. And, and think about it. If someone actually said to me, Mike, you're going to have to bring back a car every week for the next six months. It's had a long no history. Way. <laughs> oh, heck no. Like, but that's how we want to treat mental health. Right. It doesn't work that way. So it's very important to understand that mental health challenges, using complex and frustrating. Once you embrace that, that it's not linear, it's just confusing, complex and frustrating that's half the battle right there. Yeah, that's, it's unfortunate that it works that way for some of us. I mean, I think we're also in a society where everything's so fast. Like I want it now, let's do it now. Uh, I don't have time to wait. I have another meeting to get to or whatever the case may be that we're like, no, I'll just push my feelings aside. Then I don't have to deal with those. Ah, yes, I know that one well, Kelsey. And you know, here's the benefit though, when you embrace it as something that's confusing, complex and frustrating the gift of it all. There's a gift on the other side and that's Mm self-discovery. So in the process of frustratingly trying to figure out what's going on for many therapy sessions, you're going to learn some things about yourself, some powerful things that are going to help you in all areas of life. 
right? And that self-discovery also leads then to recovery from whatever you're facing. And for you, what was that like to, I think mental health is a challenge every day. Like, I don't think you're ever fully recovered, but when you kind of reached that point where you became comfortable talking about it, I think that's a big step in recovery. What was that like for you just experiencing that? No one's ever asked me that question. Thank you for that. (laughs) Uh, You and I share something in common, by the way, that word recovery. It's like, if, if it's like a sports inju- injury, we think, you know, recover is okay. I can like play with play my arm again. <laughs> right. It's not the same thing in mental health. And, and I think they need to come up with a new word there. But basically, <laughs> um, when I got to the point where I could talk about it, it was very scary. It was very scary. It was very, um, you know, I felt like I was just out there naked in front of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started seeing people respond so positively and say, thank you. You helped me. Um, I wish more people would talk about this. You gave me the courage to share. It changed my life. And one of the greatest things I've learned is like you, I battle this stuff every single day. And one of the best ways to help yourself is by helping someone else like Mm -hmm. you and I are doing right now. So that's the gift that it gave me. But that first time doing it, going back to your question, Kelsey, it was (laughs) just like intense. Right. It's terrifying. Like you said, it's like you're naked out in front of the world. And it's like, oh, people are looking at me. I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People are judging me. <laughs> yep. But um, I'm grateful that I did it. And here's the thing. It's actually given me compassion towards myself. So now, like, I was actually struggling today. A few hours ago, I had therapy. A few hours ago, we were talking about some other stuff. But I'm grateful that we could do that. I'm grateful that I could feel the pain now because it's part of the journey. Right. And I think that's something that a lot of times, even just in our culture, we're taught, I guess, by nature to just be super tough, especially for someone like you, like a male is like, even you watch the media and it's like, guys cannot cry. Like, that's just the way it is. It's the way our society shapes it. But it's obviously very different than that in the real world. (laughs) It is. And, you know, I love that you brought that up because uh, there's one time I was telling people, I was speaking about it in a speaking engagement where I I work out, I go to the gym, Mm -hmm. I like to build my muscles and get stronger. And I remember I was having one of those good workouts where I was deadlifting. I felt on top of the world. And I left the gym. The cool thing about a workout is you feel the endorphins after that that high. So Mm -hmm. I'm walking down the street, feeling confident, that high, and at the exact same time, painful depression, sadness. Mm-hmm. exact same time and that's the goes back to what i said before mental health challenges are confusing and complex and frustrating you can feel two things at once and people right. don't understand that but as a man it's been very hard because um many of us are programmed to show up a certain way in the world and especially being a man of color you know that's mm-hmm. its own podcast episode right there <laughs> but but the thing is i've learned that and 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 i'm a man who identifies with being masculine in my own mm-hmm. way that the more I got in touch with my emotions and the more vulnerable parts of myself, the more comfortable in my masculinity I started to feel. It's crazy how that works. (laughs) Crazy how it works. (laughs) It's almost like we were meant to show emotion or something. (laughs) Maybe, right? (laughs) I know you said it's an entirely different podcast episode, but I do want to actually ask you about I know you do uh, efforts with diversity, equity, inclusion, stuff like that. So from your own perspective, does something like that, being a black male, 
and then showing emotion and stuff like that, does that contribute to harder mental health challenges, I guess? I think the word is maybe more unique mental health challenges. So for those of you listening, sometimes when you bring up that term DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, or any of those mm-hmm. terms, people people have many reactions. And I always encourage people to like allow yourself to have whatever reaction you want to that. Some people might be like, yeah, we're talking about it again. Other people might be like, oh, here we go with this woke crap mm-hmm. again. You know, it, it doesn't right. matter actually. It's like whatever you feel, you feel. But it's important to understand that different groups of people have experienced unique types of trauma in different ways. The LGBTQ community has experienced trauma that I will never understand. Mm-hmm. I could listen to stories from my friends and be present and try to, you know, really hear their perspective, but I'm never going to fully understand that. And once you are open to that, you realize that just different groups struggle in unique ways. In the African-American community or just people of color, we are a culture of honor. We don't like to be disrespected. And mm-hmm. we feel sometimes without realizing it that if we display vulnerability, we're disrespecting ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I've had to really learn that it's not that at all. And right. that's something that I've really, really had to do. And even when I talk about um, mental health in the Black community, being a person of color, it's actually a very uncomfortable conversation still. But it's something that is starting to happen more. Which right. And it's something that I think we all need to talk to someone about diversity, equity, inclusion, and kind of understand their story. Because for me, obviously, I don't know what that's like. Like, I can't even... Yes, again, like you said, everyone has their own experiences. I can listen to you and try to understand it, but I physically cannot like fully wrap my head around that situation. Yeah, and actually just a quick DEI story. You know, we talk about it here in the United States a lot, but I'll never forget, I really felt like a minority when I was in London during the 2016 presidential election. (laughs) And like, you know, that drama was happening. And these people in Britain heard my American accent and they were just... Like, oh my God, you're from America. Are you okay? (laughs) They they couldn't imagine what it was like to be us and all that we were going through. So, but again, it's just realizing that in the world, you know, we all want to feel like we belong. Everyone does, Mm -hmm. whatever that means to you. It's never going to be a perfect thing. And just different people experience the world in different ways. And it's okay to embrace that. And once you do that, actually, it's really good for your mental health. (laughs) It all comes full circle. (laughs) Full circle. So that a little bit of a side tangent, but back to mental health more specifically. And I know a lot of there's, I guess, a phrase you could call it that's been floating around that's like mental health days and how important those are. But at the same point, as we talked about earlier, it's such a society that moves so fast. And at times, even for me, I'm like, I need a mental health day, but gosh, I don't want to miss work. I don't want to be that person. Like, how do you combat those thoughts in your head of hey, I need a break. So it doesn't matter like what my job thinks, I guess, in a way. I I think you you said the answer right there. You know, with anything in life, for any change that's happened in history, somebody who just didn't care what other people thought was the pioneer for that change. Mm -hmm. One thing that I'm learning, and this has come up in therapy recently, is that sometimes we get very busy and we uh, call ourselves workaholics, we can't put the phone down. We put the hustle hashtag on social media and we're actually doing it to escape our emotions. And I've had to be honest with myself sometimes and saying, are you doing this project to be productive or because you're just trying to escape your feelings? And sometimes I have to put the computer down and say, this book can wait. 
for this video project can wait. But I am learning that um, it's a habit, like anything. And once you start getting comfortable asking for a mental health day or just giving yourself permission to say to yourself that you can Mm -hmm. have a mental health day, it actually gets easier and you will actually become more productive. That's what I've learned. That's the big secret behind it. You get more productive. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you just have to allow yourself to recognize that. And I think that's the first step with basically anything. If you want to recover from a mental health issue, you have to recognize, hey, I'm struggling with X, Y, Z. Yes. Admitting it. Admitting things are so hard, right, Kelsey? Like, <laughs> what is up with that? We don't want to admit stuff. But yes, when you're honest with yourself, it doesn't mean you're a weak person. It doesn't mean you're not going to be successful. It's important to just embrace that. But here's the thing. Again, there's this uh, story that has come up in many books about a man in the woods uh, trying to saw down a tree mm-hmm. and um, someone coming up to him saying, hey, you might want to just like take a break and sharpen your saw. You'll get like the tree down faster. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, I got to keep going. And, you know, to those of us who know how a saw works, it's like mm-hmm. common sense. But we forget that in the world that we live in. So it's important that we just become more intentional about it. All of us, whether you identify with mental health challenges or not. In talking about your recovery, I know you mentioned drumming as kind of your out in a way. How important is it for somebody to find something like that, that they can really just, I mean, not escape their feelings because you still need to address them, but just have something that you enjoy and can find comfort in? Oh my God, it's so important. I, I think especially adults have trouble with the word play. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, heck, I know seniors in high school who have trouble with the word play. And and I think what it is, is we associate the word play with immaturity and they're two different things. Two different mm-hmm. things. But in order to be whole people, we need to be playful. It's actually a part of survival. So it's important to find things that bring you joy. Like I have realized, and please don't judge me for this, that I like WWE wrestling. It brings me joy. I get caught up in the drama (laughs) that these men are having that Brock Lesnar has said this about (laughs) Roman Reigns. And and, and, oh my God, and my friends are like, you know, you know, that's fake. And I just close my ears and don't tell me it's fake. It's real to me. (laughs) It brings me joy to go to the WWE match and see them do their thing. I don't care how choreographed it is. So, but that's, that's an example of, of making that intentional. In life. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the key to mental health challenges. Watch WWE wrestling. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> problem solved. <laughs> problem solved, everybody. <laughs> no, I think that is important though. And I mean, as much as people might judge you for that, again, it kind of goes back to the title of this podcast, Valuing Vulnerability. While it might be something silly to relate to this, it still holds true. I mean, you're talking about, hey, this is what I do to work towards recovery. This is something that I find joy in. It might be silly, or maybe there's a bunch of other people out there that also find joy in WWE. Yes. (laughs) And please, please message me if you're out there. (laughs) Mike Vini, you can find him all over social media. (laughs) And then one other thing that I, like I've obviously researched your website and kind of figured out some other things that you have uh, talked about. And meditation is one of those things and how you go through meditation. And it's something that I personally have not actually successfully done. I'm like, I'm going to meditate. And then my brain's just like, ah, you can do this, this, and this. And I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. So can you just talk about meditation? 
Okay, so for those of you that are out there thinking, I've tried to meditate and it just doesn't work. Here's a big secret. It's the same way for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Even those of us who meditate all the time. In fact, the human brain is designed to just come up with thoughts and ideas, uh, you know, food options, whatever you want <laughs> as you're trying to meditate. The key is not to get rid of your thoughts, but learn to be with your thoughts, actually. Mm-hmm. And so much of life, we're trying to escape things, our thoughts and our feelings. So meditation, I, I, the type I do is called transcendental meditation, which is, um, I don't know, I call it the Scientology of meditation because it's the popular <laughs> one that like, you know, everyone talks about. Mm-hmm. But basically for 20 minutes, twice a day, I get to shut my brain off completely. Mm-hmm. And it's powerful in the world we live in. No phone, just my eyes closed, sitting and, and doing it. And it's a gift that I give myself to the point where I'm traveling and I'm like looking around for where am I going to get to meditate when I get to the hotel? Like that's how much um, I do that. They do have different apps like Calm and Headspace that allow you to get started meditating just for two or three minutes. It's not something that you ever get perfect. No one does, but it's something that you just practice and comes very naturally if you just allow it. And sometimes when I meditate, like I'm thinking about burgers the whole time and what I want to eat. <laughs> but the key is not fighting that. It's just allowing that, you know, to, right. to come up. And when I'm done, just make sure I go get the burger that I, that I wanted. You know? <laughs> that you were dreaming about. <laughs> yep. But I think it's just the, the big part of that is setting aside the distractions of your phone, your computer, your notifications dinging and having to worry about, well, what am I going to do next? Or what's the next step in the busy workday and things like that. Yep. And it's very hard to do. But when you start becoming really intentional about it, it changes your life. And I can tell you, as someone who runs a business and has a very busy career, I don't have notifications on my phone mm-hmm. at all. When I hang out with somebody, if you go out, you and I go out to coffee, my phone's away. I'm talking to you. It's my 20 minutes with you that I get, you know? Right. So I, I encourage all of you listening, even if some of this sounds uncomfortable, to just be open to embracing it, maybe trying it out. You might discover some beautiful things in the process. Right. And most of the time, those notifications that we get the ding on our phone and we instantly think we have to look at, they can wait like 99% of them. If something's that important, it'll be a phone call. And at that point, you can pull your yep. phone out of your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Your friend liking someone, liking something <laughs> on social media is not an urgent thing and there's this thing that you might have heard about called the urgency addiction that we have in this society Mm -hmm. everything has to be like this and we're all victims of it and it's just important to be aware of that because when you start to do that you can enjoy life more and I can tell you as someone who is very successful in his career I go really slow I move around really slow and that's one of the reasons I've been able to do the things that I do right and as we kind of wrap up this conversation, the mental health stigma, obviously we've all heard that phrase and it's there. It's still prevalent as much as we want to say, oh, maybe it's, maybe it's dying out a little bit. It's still there. Just talk to the stigma and kind of the effects that that has on people that are struggling with mental health. That's a, that's a great question. And um, I'm the author of the book, Transforming Stigma. Mm-hmm. Um, does it have all the answers on stigma? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, it's, it's about how to become a mental wellness superhero though. And one of the things that I talk about in the book is, um, let's say just Kelsey, you and I are in kindergarten on the playground 
mm-hmm. and you and your two friends have Nike sneakers, but I've got Reebok sneakers, chances are you're going to call me weird because yeah. you notice my sneakers are different. Kindergartners do it. We all did it. We call each other weird. You're weird. You're weird. We right. think it's cute. It's funny. But think about what kindergartners are doing. They're figuring out who's in the group, and who's not in the group. Mm-hmm. And we bring that with us throughout school. Like it worked, you know, who's in which group and who's not. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to mental health, sometimes we fear that we are just going to be kicked out of groups, all groups. And that's where a lot of the stigma comes from. And once you understand that that's what's going on, that sometimes is the thing you need to just make it easier to start talking about. You realize, no, that's not the case. I'm not weird because of this. Mm-hmm. I'm a human because of this. I love that. And I guess I would ask, I know you've done some stuff with college students and just because I am a college student and right now is probably the most stressful time for most students because it's finals are coming up the end of the school year. If you're graduating, you have to worry about work, whatever the case may be. So as far as it goes for college students, when they're facing this stressful time, if you had to give advice to them or when they say things are a hot mess right now or whatever it might be, what would you say to them? Oh my, okay. I love speaking to college students. Uh, One of the things I love most about presentations to colleges and college students is I get some real questions. Like we just have real conversation. It gets real right away. It's important to just remember that when you're in college, you're at a very unique point in your life and it's not just school that's going on. Right. Relationship changes, family stuff. Maybe it's the family you miss or the family you don't want to go back to see. Mm-hmm. Job stuff, money stuff. Is this degree even worth it? All this stuff happening at once. And I think it's important just to just understand that it's happening. So when things are feeling overwhelming, it's actually part of the process during this time. It's also important to distinguish between self-care and escape activities, okay? Self-care includes activities that you do intentionally to stay in touch with your emotions. Escape activities happen sometimes every single night in certain college dorms, if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with them. I'm not shaming them at all because Mm -hmm. we all engage in them. I mean, heck, Using social media can be an escape activity, right? right? Scrolling on your phone. The key is when you start thinking that those escape activities, man, I just need to party. I just need to gra- grab a drink. Is self-care. That's when you start running into trouble. So it's important to know the difference and monitor how much time you're spending with each. That's really, really important. And that applies to anyone, not just college students as well. But uh, again, Thanks for joining. But as we uh, say goodbyes, if you had to give advice to just anyone as they might be dealing with mental health, one of the listeners might be listening and say, hey, I can relate to that. What would you tell them? I want to say this, that if you're feeling um, difficult emotions, anger, grief, and fear, allow yourself to feel them because those are three of the best emotions you can ever have. And you need them for success in life. And oftentimes we run away from them because we think they're bad. They're just emotions. And learning to sit with them is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself, even if it sounds uncomfortable and scary. So I really encourage you, if you're listening, to embrace that.